Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. All right, the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 11. And when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons which were slain. And they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. And he was hid in the house of the Lord six years. Athaliah did reign over the land. And the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and fetched the rulers over hundreds with captains and the guard and brought them to him into the house of the Lord and made a covenant with them and took an oath of them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. And he commanded them, saying, This is the thing that you shall do. A third part that enter in on the Sabbath shall be keepers of the watch of the king's house. And a third part shall be at the gate of Sir. And a third part at the gate behind the guard. So shall you keep the watch. Everyone say, keep the watch of the house. That it be not broken down. And two parts of all of you that go forth on the Sabbath. Even they shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord about the king. And you shall compass the king round about. Every man with his weapons. Everyone say, every man with his weapons. Every man with his weapons in his hand. And he that cometh within the ranges, let him be slain. And be ye with the king as he goeth out and as he cometh in. And the captains over the hundreds did accordingly to all the things that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And they took every man his men that were come in on the Sabbath with them that go out on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. Now this is one more scripture I want to read here. And to the captains over hundreds did the priests give King David's, everyone say King David's, spears and shields that were in the temple of the Lord. And the guard stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, round about the king. Verse 12, and they brought forth the king's son and put the crown upon him and gave him the testimony. And they made him king and anointed him and clapped their hands and said, God, save the king. And we'll talk a little bit more about what happened to Athaliah in a minute. But it's time for us to come out of hiding. So I'm just speaking about hidden no more. Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice? And would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today and we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for all these men that are in this place today. I ask you, Lord, by the authority of your word and the power that's in the name of Jesus, that the living word will preach the written word today, that you would help me to speak as an oracle of the Lord. God, help me, O oh Lord Jesus, in these two sessions that we have together to be able to bring about, O oh God, a deliverance, a freedom, an impartation for a transformation. 
so that your perfect will may be done. Everyone say, in Jesus' name. Turn to two or three people and say, I bless you in the name of the Lord, and then you may be seated. We are in an epic battle right now. And as men, there are some things that are channeled directly against us because of what we represent and because of our role that we are supposed to play. When you look at the genealogies here and you see some of the history that is here, you wonder, how did this happen in the first place? How did Athaliah get positioned in such a way that she would even be capable of doing what she did? How does this happen? This is not Israel. This is Judah. This is the tribe that still has a covenant relationship with God through David, there is a promise that they would, they would not fail him of the seed of David because of the sure mercies of David, that someone would sit on the throne until Shiloh or until Messiah, Mashiach, comes. So the northern tribes were the ones that were drifting. They were the ones that so quickly went out of the way when the kingdom was divided. There was insecurity. You cannot go down to Rehoboam. You cannot go down to his kingdom because uh, the temple is in Jerusalem. They were afraid of alliances being made and the weakening of the house of Rehoboam. Even though God put him in, he immediately creates his own uh, places of altars. Uh, uh, and, and there is golden calves in Dan in the northernmost and and, and then in Bethel in the southernmost part of the northern kingdom. And so we, we see them already going astray, worshiping God at a golden calf. Just, just doing the same thing that they did in the wilderness that made God so angry with Moses and Aaron. So quickly out of the way. And the Bible says by the time we get to Ahab, it was a light thing to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. It was a light thing, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, the two kings that were the separation. It was a light thing to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. In other words, they had become so calloused, they had become so traditional, they had become so used to just serving God out of routine and having no revelation, having no discernment, that now Ahab goes and marries Jezebel. And the Bible says this was a sin. Jeze him marrying Jezebel was a sin. So you see the northern kingdoms are drifting. And so there is, some, there is some understanding of how it could happen there with Ahab. And, and do it because they had lost their discernment. So Jezebel cannot come in if there is a church that is filled with discernment. Jezebel does not come in if there is a church that is following hard after God. Jezebel does not come in unless there is a man that wants her to be there. We talk about the spirit of Jezebel. Let's talk about the spirit of Ahab. 
the spirit of Ahab is the one that fell in love with Jezebel and married her. <laughs> oh, he's trying to have a political alliance. So his neighbors are, are the king of Tyre, and they are wealthy. They are merchants. They are uh, powerful shipbuilders. And, and because they can make these great ships and they have all of this commerce, there's great wealth there. But if you do the research... Jezebel's father overthrew his brother and took over the kingdom. He was a warlock, and he taught Jezebel to be a priestess of Ashtoreth and Baal. He taught her that power had to be ruthless. And now he's making an alliance, and he is sending Jezebel to be an ambassador of Baal and Ashtoreth. We always think of her as just being sensual and perverse. She used her womanly wiles to advance paganism. It was an agenda that she had. She was very focused. But what do we find when Elijah comes on the scene? How long halts she between two opinions? God had been reduced to an opinion. And when God is nothing but an opinion, there is no moral fabric. There is no absolutes. There is no deep love of truth. It's just an option. And when we are confused and we're going back and forth, we are in a vulnerable place because Satan has a clear agenda. And I'm going to tell you something. We have a Jezebel spirit in this world today that has a very clear agenda. And they are not confused about what they want. They are working to make us confused. They are working to divide us. They are working to make us be hesitating. They are working to try to destroy our moral absolutes. To take away our sense of, of morality and integrity. And break us down by a constant flood of perversion. By a constant flood of exposure. She, she created these, these uh, uh, worship spots for Baal and Ashtoreth. And in these uh, Ashtoreth poles, this is where they would have dancing, and this is where there would be music, and there would be all kinds of perversity that would be going on there. And it was visible, and it was open, it was flagrant, flagrant, because Ahab wasn't going to stop her. Jezebel did not agree to follow Jehovah. She just agreed to marry Ahab. So she understood the rest of the people followed the, followed the word, and she used the word against them. She found out two or three witnesses could destroy anybody. So she even told Ahab, you want Naboth's vineyard? I'll get it for you. I know how to use your law, and I know how to use your judgment system to take out anybody. Manipulates. She has no, she has no value in it. She doesn't care at all. We have a lot of people today that have no value at all for the laws of our land, but use those laws to, to accomplish their agendas. That is a Jezebel manipulating spirit that is in the land. And we have to realize the battle is bigger than perversity. Perversity is the front line to break down your resolve. It's to get us compromised. It is to say, I've got something on you, Ahab, you still want me. You still want me. So Jezebel was a first-class manipulator. 
And it took me a while to understand when I was a young man what the spirit of Jezebel really was and how it pertained. We see her name being mentioned in Revelations chapter number 2, that you suffered that woman Jezebel to live who calls herself a prophetess and teaches my children to fornicate or teaches my sons to fornicate. So there was a Jezebel counterpart or Uh, That was in the New Testament as well. And I don't know that that was actually her name. I think that God was actually saying she has the same spirit. Just like you would say when John the Baptist came, he is Elijah. You would say this is Jezebel that is now manifesting. This is the same spirit of Jezebel. You know that you have sworn an alliance to hell when hell says, hey, you're doing better at my job than I'm doing at it. I'm going to make a spirit that comes off of you as a human. I'm going to take the spirit of this woman because she has so given herself to wickedness that I'm going to make prototypes of that woman. It's Satan imitating what God does. God took the spirit of Moses and put it on 70 elders. God took the spirit of Elijah and put it on Elisha. There are things that can be imparted from spirit. And so he used that spirit of that woman and he is now wanting to to pass this on through a, uh, through a, a dark bloodline shall we say so it still exists we are still dealing with the spirit of jezebel and the spirit of athaliah now i won't go into a lot of detail about this but this is something that i had to i had to deal with for many many years any time that i was trying to operate in the spirit any time that i'm trying to uh, to be prophetic or to, to say, to, to yield to the prophetic, say it that way. Uh, there, is a, there is an opposition. You have two different types of opposition to spiritual gifts and spiritual ministry. One is tradition. That's the sins of Jeroboam. Let's say, I, we don't care about all that stuff. We want to just keep things the same. We don't want anything to change. We don't need any discernment. We don't need any gifts of the Spirit. Everything's fine the way it is. We like worshiping the idol. It, it, nothing changes. Everything stays the same. We did our duty. And so when there's a move of God, people get disrupted and uh, their little uh, alarms go off because it's, you know, it's time, time for us to leave and go, to, go eat right now. And, and we're trying to have a move of God. No, no, no. No moves of God past 12 o'clock on Sunday morning. You know, so you'll have, that, you'll have that spirit. And then you'll have Jezebel, which comes on the other side, which tries to attack you directly. If you're not getting directly attacked by the other side, you get directly attacked to this side. Now, what tradition does, tradition attacks the mind, but Jezebel attacks the emotions. When when Elijah stood and he began to operate and function in a role of, of prophet and judgment, he is saying, how long halt you between two opinions? In this moment, Ahab is there and he sees what happens. He saw the fire and his heart was turned. His heart was turned. When the rain came, Elijah says to Ahab, run. He said, you better better get in that chariot and go ride as fast as as, as you can ride because the rain's coming and don't let the rain stop you. And then the Holy Spirit falls on Elijah and Elijah runs. And this is like 13 miles. It wasn't like a half a mile. It was like 13 miles and he ran faster than a chariot. Why is he doing that? He was wanting to hold the gate for, for Ahab to go home and put Jezebel in her place. That's why he's running. 
I'll hold the gate for you. You were there. You saw it. The priests of, the priests of Baal are dead. People are worshiping Jehovah God again. The drought is over. God has heard your, our prayers. It's time. Paganism must end. I can't do this because she's a woman. But you can do this as the man of the house and as the king. Go get him, boy. And he rides in. And as soon as he rides in, Jezebel is already feeling something is wrong. And the reports are already starting to pour in from her little minions. And Ahab walks in and he goes, hi, honey. What happened on the mountain today? I leave you alone for an afternoon. And 450 of my prophets are killed. This is how you treat me? This is the kind of respect you give to your wife? This is how you feel about me? I come here. I had to leave my kingdom. I had to leave my father's house. And I had to come and marry you and come to this strange land that worships another God. And then this is how you treat me in one afternoon. Well, I, look, look uh, uh, now, uh, Jezebel, look, I, I'm telling you, I, I couldn't do anything because, you know, this, it was Elijah. I mean, come on, you know, like Elijah came out and then he like cut this thing open in like 12 places and they poured water on. I heard the report. I mean, I, I, he, he made fire come out of the sky. What was I supposed to do? And then, and then, like, you know, he, he like, prayed, and then there was, like, it's, it's, it's raining. Aren't you glad it's raining? Get out of my way. I'll deal with this. Come here. You're going to have a message. I want you to go find Elijah right now and tell him tomorrow he'll be just like those men he killed today. Go. And Elijah's waiting. He's like, okay, come on. Give me the report. Come on. Ahab, come on, be the man, be the man, be the man. And the report comes. Thus saith the words of Jezebel. Tomorrow. Oh, no, it's retaliation. It didn't last. The influence didn't last. He went right back to her. He went right back. And he gets up. He says, what do I have to do? Three years of no rain. I've run. I've been fed by ravens. I appear. I stand before the whole nation. I confront the problem. We, We build an altar. We kill the prophets. Jezebel survives. The rain came. And Jezebel survived what else can i do there's this feeling of like he ran faster than a chariot i mean i mean like he called down fire what else can we do now folks this is part of what's happened to our culture is that we have had firefall we have had moves of god where the rain has been poured out We have had supernatural demonstration of the Spirit of God. We have had strong, prophetic, great men of God. And Jezebel survived. 
And we're saying, why is this gay agenda still here? I mean, gay pride was worse this last month than, than it's ever been. I was in uh, D.C. and in New York, both during the time of, 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 of June. I mean, they were hanging flags all over government buildings. I mean, in the restaurants. I mean, everything. It, it, it's, it's gay pride, gay pride, all over D.C. and all over, all over New York. And we're like, God, I mean, like, we've been praying about this stuff for a long time. And, and Elijah's laying in a fetal position underneath the tree. And he just says, God, I'm not any better than my forefathers. I don't know what to do. Just let me die. I did all I could do. Just let me die. And he's laying there. Emotions. After you expend yourself, after you're used, after you exhaust all of your energy trying to do what God has called you to do, then you're weak and you're tired and you're exhausted. And then here comes Jezebel with the full force of her energy and hits you. Pow! And in depression, you can do a lot of things that you would not normally do. When you are depressed, you'll say a lot of things that you wouldn't normally say. Depression, you might open yourself to things that you wouldn't normally open yourself to because you feel I can't do anything. What can I do? How can I stop this? I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand about this. But I know that there are people in this room that can relate to what I'm talking about right now. An angel comes and strengthens him. He goes on a journey. Twice the angel strengthens him. He fasts for 40 days. He goes to the mount where God met with Moses. And God says, what are you doing hiding in the cave? Well, you don't understand. They've tore down your altars and they've killed your prophets and I'm the only one that's left. And he's, you know, he's just, he's complaining before God. Somehow, Jezebel makes you discount the fire fell when you prayed, makes you discount that the rain fell, makes you discount that you ran faster than a chariot, makes you discount that all the prophets were killed, makes you discount that all the people fell on their face and worshiped God. Because that one thing is still there. The one thing that I wanted, I didn't get. Jezebel is still alive. So at the end of this lesson, God gets him out of his emotions. He shows him what emotion feels like with the rocks being rent and with the fire and with the wind. That's emotion. And he goes, but I'm not in that. I'm not working in your emotions. you got to get back to faith. The still, small voice. Listen to what my voice is telling you. Jezebel works in your emotions. Oh man, we don't have any emotions. Oh yeah, really? <laughs> I tell that to all the Chiefs fans last night. Don't have any emotions. Well, all kinds of emotions. We just sometimes don't know how to deal with them. We don't know how to talk about them, but, but there are spirits that trigger, that go straight in to where those emotions are because that's the weak spot. I'll hit him in his weak spot. He wasn't prepared for this. Retaliation. Spirit of Jezebel. So God gives him the secret when he leaves. He gives him the secret. He said, you have to get into a discipleship program. 
You are trying to do it as one man. And even as one man who can call down fire from heaven, it's not enough. Because Jezebel is a master discipler. That's what she does. The asterisk poles are discipleship points for pagan worship. The Baal worship, these are discipleship points. You wonder, you wonder how 3% of, the, uh, of, of America's population is controlling the other 95% of the population. Demanding textbooks to be changed. Passing laws. Getting up into every office. Senators, congressmen, presidents. Barack Obama was against gay marriage. Suddenly, now he's for gay marriage. And we're just sitting back here going, God, send more fire. And God is sending fire. But he's saying, look, look, I need more than just powerful single men, single ministries. I need you to understand how this process works. You're not going to defeat Jezebel in the short game. You beat Jezebel in the long game. We win the cultural battle one disciple at a time. He said, go put your mantle on Haziel, and then go put in a mantle on Jehu, and then put in a mantle on Elisha. He is saying, I want you to cause influence to be in the political system of Syria, your enemies, and I want you to raise up somebody in the political system that will rise up against Ahab, and then I want you to put somebody in your place to follow after you as a prophet of God, and he's going to end up with a double portion before it's all over, and this is how you win this battle. Get out of your cave and get out there and stop worrying about Jezebel. She can't kill you. And go start imparting your anointing to somebody else. Jezebel could not kill him. If she could have killed him, she already would have. It was nothing but a threat. It was nothing but intimidation. It was nothing but manipulation to an exhausted man. If the devil was half as strong as, the, as he's tried to make you think, you wouldn't even be here today. You are here today because God's hand is on your life. You have a purpose. You have a focus. You have an anointing. You have something to share. And the devil is trying to make you intimidated, afraid, and embarrassed of who you are. We are not the ones with the problems here. Jezebel is the invader. Jezebel is bringing in paganism. This is not what we are. This is not who we are. We are worshipers of one true God. Yehovah is who we serve. And you had the audacity to come in here. We're going to switch it. We're going to flip it. And so he gave, him the, he gave him the secret. He gave him the secret. And the first thing he does is just go find Elisha. And he leaves Elisha to take care of Haziel and to take care of Jehu. Well, the spirit of Jehu, when it finally comes, it was awesome. Watch this. In 2 Kings 9, 2 Kings 9, Elisha is so much in this transfer of anointing concept of what he got from 
Elijah. And I don't have time to go through 2 Kings 4, but that's a whole other message. But they even expanded the school of the prophets because of this impartation that was going on. For the first time in Israel, the school of the prophets grew. Why? Because a farmer boy got Elijah's mantle. And if a farmer could get it, anybody could get it. Nobody knew who Elijah was. He was this mysterious guy. He came from the inhabitants of Gilead. Didn't even tell us who his parents were. He just sort of appears, you know, walking in. You know, Jezebel, Ahab on their throne, he walks in, you know. This camel thing stinks. He's wearing this thing. He sleeps with it, you know. Walks in. It shall not rain, but by my word. And they try to find him, and you can't find him. He's just gone. Have you seen Elijah? I saw him once, and then he disappeared. You couldn't find him. But everybody knew Elisha. That was the big ranch. Guy with 12 yoke of oxen, I mean, that's a, that's a ranch. That's some money. He was the firstborn. He was going to get a double portion from his father. He gives up his double portion for his father. So you know that's the reason why he's going to ask for a double portion from Elijah. Because if I'm giving up my double portion in this world, then you better believe I can ask for a double portion in the kingdom. I burned my oxen on, on the plow. I, I'm all in. And if you're all in, folks, you can ask. And God doesn't want us to have half the ministry of those who went before us. I want a double portion of my father. I want a double portion of the elders. This day demands us to have more. This is God's answer to the Jezebel spirit is to raise up more people, more prophets, more evangelists, more pastors, more disciple makers, more intercessors, more people hungry for the things of God, more people following in the wake of Elijah to turn it around. So it expands. The, the, the whole school of prophets expands because, because of this impartation that's going on. He said, you're not just going to watch me. You're going to do it too. He teaches them how to do it. When you get into that, watch this now. In 2 Kings 9, when it's time to deal with Ahab, it's Jehu that's going to be anointed. Now Elijah gave that to him to do. Elijah was supposed to do it. But he said, I anointed you, now you're going to anoint Jehu, and you're going to anoint Haziel. That's your job. Because he wanted to make sure that the process of impartation continued with him. Now that this is a breakthrough in Revelation, you have to make sure you're a part of doing the same thing. So this will be, this will be something that becomes a part of the prophetic. So watch, when it's time to anoint Jehu, he doesn't even do it. It was so un-Elijah-like. Elijah would have been, Jehu, step forward. Thus saith the God of Israel, you shall be king. And you shall smite Ahab with the sword. And you shall destroy his house. You know, like, he would have been, he would have been bold in front of the whole army. That's what, that's what Elijah would. Elijah's like, hey, 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 you're doing really good, man. I've been watching you, man. You've been praying. You're so, man, you're so in tune. I got this little job. I got this little box of oil right here. Yeah. Uh, I want you to go run. 
And there's this captain named Jehu. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and, and um, I want you to take him in a private room, and I want you to break the box over his head and tell him he's king. Run. A nameless prophet. Because he is saying anybody can be used of God now. And I'm not saving the big things for me. I'm going to save the big things for anybody that shows hunger, that is a good disciple, that, is, that really has the mind of God and the spirit of God. You, you, I want you to go run. And the Bible says he runs. He runs. He goes in there. He finds Jehu. He pulls him in. And they're going, they're going who is that madman? He, oh, he's one of the prophets. Oh, what does he have to say? And, and he goes, no, I have a word from the Lord. So he takes him in the, in the room, this rugged Jehu guy. I mean, you know, I don't know. He was probably, he probably spit right before he came. I don't know. He was just this big guy. Doesn't seem too spiritual to me. You know, like he just didn't say, Jehu didn't think, he's, a, he's rugged. He takes him in the back room. He breaks it. And when he starts, he doesn't just say what Elisha told him to say. He prophesies word for word what Elijah said. Because when you get under that anointing, God fills in the rest of the details for you. And you get in the flow of that same prophetic word. That word is hovering that says it's time for judgment. It's time to deal with Ahab. It's time to deal with Jezebel. It's time to take it out. Hallelujah. And so he runs. After he leaves, he runs again just like the the prophet told him to do. And as soon as he tells them what he said, they smell the oil and they see his face changed. And they realize that he was a prophet. And they immediately say, Jay, he was king. And pow, immediately he goes to war. He is God's hammer. I mean, he is just, he is smashing that kingdom. Seventy sons' heads are cut off. I mean, man, he, he sees somebody riding, and, and that's the riding of Jay. And, and, you know, they go out to try to make, this is what, you know, this was the tone. Political correctness. Let's go out and see if we can talk to Jehu. Oh, shall we get in the chariot? Oh, okay. Oh, if the riding is of Jehu. Jehu, can we just. That's my negotiation. <laughs> Anybody else coming? Oh, there's another one in the chariot. Wants to negotiate. All right. I mean, I mean, dead bodies are laying all over the place. You know. Watch what, Jehu, watch, what, watch what happens when, when Jezebel sees Jehu. First thing she does is paint her face. And then she braids her hair. Jehu, you wouldn't kill a woman now, would you? She leans out of the, out of the window, giving a view. Trying to elicit a, a sexual response from him. All this could be yours. As soon as he doesn't respond, he's like, I think you're getting old and your days are done. (laughs) Not interested. I'm anointed to take down this house. I'm anointed to bring the judgment that should have been done years ago. And I don't care how much you paint your face, and I don't care how you do your hair, and I don't care. Matter of fact, you, you, you repulse me with all your actions. 
and she immediately realizes that it's not working. She goes for the juggler. Had Zimri Peace, who slew his master. She went straight from sexual perversion to accusation. Zimri was also a captain who overthrew his, his lord or his king. She went back five generations. He lasted seven days. His house was burned over him and he died. Had Zimri peace who slew his master? Any response to that, you're in trouble. There's no correct response to that. It was a lose-lose. She was a master, master at manipulation. You know what he says? I'm not even talking to you. Who's on my side? I'm not getting into an argument with you. I'm not going to allow myself to be entangled with you. As soon as I acknowledge you, you get a higher ground. If I acknowledge that argument, then you immediately are saying, you're the master and I'm the captain, and this is not how this goes down. God has anointed me to be king, and you're the one that's illegitimate. Don't put your illegitimacy on me and try to flip it on me right now. I'm not the one who has defied the laws of God. You're the one that's defied the laws of God. I'm not the one that is sinned. You're the one that is sinned. Don't try to pay. put yourself in the righteous position. She's painting her face in another way as someone who is innocent and oh, it would never do anything. And he just says, Who's with me? And two of her eunuchs, eunuchs, castigated men, emasculated men, they felt firsthand what it was like. To be servants of Jezebel. And they said, we're done with that. We know like, like nobody else knows what she really is. We see here 24-7, we're on the Lord's side. We've been wanting this, desiring this. And all the victims of Jezebel are the ones that God uses when the anointing of Jehu comes to throw that spirit down. Jehu did not even have to get his hands dirty with her. He just said, throw her down. And the victims of Jezebel threw her down. I'm telling you, Jezebel is coming down. She's coming down in our churches. She's coming down in our culture. She's coming down in our government. She's coming down in the name of Jesus. I know that there is a picture of a great whore in the book of Revelation that represents that same spirit, but that's going to get judged too. We are the body of Christ. And Jesus said, I'm going to throw Jezebel into a bed and anyone that sleeps with her, I'm going to give her a space of repentance. But if she doesn't repent and you don't repent, I'm going to wipe all of you out. And I'm going to tell you, there is a point of judgment that is coming. And that spirit is being defeated. Let's clap our hands and thank the Lord. For the spirit of Jehu. For the anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know how deep to go with this, but let me just give you one hint on, on this, what, my, one of my personal experiences that I had. And then I want to switch to Athaliah. I had to give some background here. I knew the spirit of Jezebel was fighting me. I had known for a while, and God had revealed it to me, and I had been trying to negotiate around it. Just being honest with you. I would feel it when I would go into churches. I'd feel it. And I, would, I would mark who the 
where that spirit was, and I would just try to get around it, just try to do the work of God, just try to minister to people, help them, and try to minimize it, try to, I went in my prayers, I was trying to bind it, but I knew this is, this is not an easy thing to deal with. It's, you're dealing with a scalpel, because what happens with this spirit, how God showed it to me, he showed it to me in a vision. There was a, there was a, the spirit of Jezebel came into this house, and there was an uncle watching a, a young uh, niece, and he was a respectable man. Parents didn't think anything of it. That spirit came and filled his mind with all these thoughts, stirred him up, and I saw him go into the room. I didn't see the details. I just knew by the spirit what had happened, that he had molested her. And then he walks out of the room, and that spirit was watching it, goes to the man and says, you are the most vile, horrible human being. You should go kill yourself. And he walks out, and now he's crying because he can't believe what he did. And he walks out, and he just leaves her. And then that spirit comes back to the girl, and she's crying. <laughs> Tears streaming out her face. And the spirit says, it's because you trusted that this happened to you. It's because you, it's because you respected that man. It's because you, you listened to whatever he said. You must vow today that no person, no man will ever hurt you again. That you will never submit yourself. That you will never be vulnerable again. That you'll never be in a position like this again. Swear it. Swear it right now. And the anger and the, and, and the, and the shock and the pain. And the embarrassment and the fear. And she goes, I will never happen again. I will never trust a man again. I will never, I will never, I will never. And, she goes, and that spirit goes right inside. And it wraps itself around her emotions. The rest of the girl grows up. But inside, there's a little part of her that is still wounded and is still eight or nine years old or ten years old. And anytime there is some kind of an authority figure anytime, especially it's a man that is going to bring a correction or bring a direction, that wound gets touched and that spirit manifests. <sighs> I could tell you stories all day about this. But they defend that because that spirit and their emotions start becoming so intertwined, she can't tell the difference between that spirit and her own emotions. So they begin to defend and protect. This is the reason why it's so difficult to help someone who has this spirit to actually get delivered. Because the very thing that is needed is vulnerability and submission. And those are the two things she swore she would never do. So I would see this. It'd be on the organ sometimes. It was sometimes it would be in the pastor's home, sometimes it would be close to, it's always close to power. Now Solomon said that the spider takes hands and is in king's palaces. You know, well, that's, that's what God showed me. One night I said, okay, God, me running from this thing is not producing anything. I know it's going to cost me something to defeat this. I know it's going to be hard. But God, it can't be any worse than what I'm already dealing with. I don't want to run. I can't run. I can't hide anymore. I got to deal with this thing. 
I said, okay, God. And I laid across the bed. I remember, I remember right where I was. I laid across the bed, and I submitted myself. I surrendered everything to God, and I said, God, whatever I have to face, whatever I have to shut down, whatever I got to confront, whatever has to change in me, whatever part of me that it still has something there that she's getting an inroads. I, God, I, I can't have, I can't, I don't want to have these emotional reactions anymore. can't I have to I have to get on top of this thing you have to help me I went to sleep about one o'clock about six in the morning I was awakened to a vision of a spider that was about five feet in diameter hanging down from the ceiling I could see its belly and its legs and the third leg on each side came and touched my stomach and my spirit like rolled up and I was frozen on the bed. I couldn't even speak. It was like my spirit went, you can touch my body, but you can't touch my spirit. You know, I was like, I was rolling all, like I pulled myself back as much as I could. And finally I went, Jesus. And it came out like that. And as soon as I said, Jesus, I said, get out of the, and it, and it left. And then I freaked out. And I said, God, that thing touched my stomach. I said, what was it doing? He said, it was detaching itself from you. Then I was even more freaked out. I said, detaching? Yes. That means it was already, a, already attached. So the spirit uses a web, ties the web. The web ties into emotion. And when certain emotions are touched, that's when it manifests, just like a spider on a web. And when I was going to talk about this wound, and I was going to deal with this spirit, and I was going to face this thing, it had already been monitoring me. And the emotions that had been, and God said, I'm severing it. The next day, I had a fever. I was sick. I called Brother Stone King. I said, I had this big spider in my room last night. And so Jezebel's spirit came. And I said, I just want you to pray for me. He goes, Jesus, I want you to anoint him, God. Anoint him, Jesus. God, let him preach like a house of fire tonight. At the name of, I'm like, I'm sick. Like I have a fever, you know, like I'm fighting demons. He doesn't rebu re rebuke the devil. He prays for anointing. And I realized that's what I needed. I needed to shake myself out of this and get to the anointing. This is what God told Elijah. Put the anointing on him. Folks, we're not going to get out of this by having more emotion. You're not going to get out of this by having more thoughts. You're going to get out of this by shaking yourself and realizing you have the anointing of God to get through it. To break through it. To get on the other side. Hallelujah. So... I went in the service that night, sick as I was. I got, got myself all dressed. And, and oh, by the way, there was all these spiders that started showing up. Satan sent a bunch of them. There was wolf spiders and jumping spiders. And, and uh, they were in the sink. They were on the curtains. They were in the shower. They started crawling out from under my, out of my bed. They were jumping on the wall. And I was full on in battle. I, had, I was going to be there two weeks. This was my first week. I could hardly sleep at night. I was praying all night, battling this thing. Finally, I said, all right, I'm going after it. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to do it. So on the last night of revival, I figured the worst thing that could happen is they could never have me back. 
that actually might be a good thing, you know. <laughs> I went after it, and I preached against that spirit. I went as hard as I had ever gone after a spirit. And then next night, I was still in that evangelist quarters. I was going to be going to another church on Tuesday. And that thing came back. That spirit came back. Retaliation. I was coming. And I was praying all night. I was tired. I got up in the middle of the night, and I said, you cannot stop the sun from shining. And if you can't stop a natural law, you can't stop a spiritual law. There will be revival, and you are defeated in Jesus' name. I went back to my bed, and I was warring in my bed. I was just praying, lay, lay down a little bit, and I would just wake up again. I couldn't sleep. I was just, just about to go, I'd wake up, man. Feel that thing. I could see it was coming. I didn't know it, but there was a witch's coven that was close by, and they had had a seance or something that night, and people had seen them and told me about it later. And this thing was coming towards me. And when, the, when it got to my bed, the light came through the window of the dawn. And when it hit me, it was like the surge of the Holy Ghost because that was my word of faith that I got in the night. You can't stop the sun from shining. And when that light came through the window and hit me, I sat up and I said, I plead the blood of Jesus! And that voice of accusation could not stand the blood. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, I went from being on a defensive posture to being full-on commando. I jumped out of the bed. I started warring in the spirit, and there was body parts and whatever, legs and that thing. It got, and that was the night it turned. That was the night it shifted, and revelation knowledge came. And after that spirit was broken, God showed me the pastor's wife, just like that. And she said, you can't leave me. If you leave me, I'll embarrass you. Because you have to do whatever I say. You will continue to obey whatever word I say. I've already turned your boys against you. I'll turn everyone against you. I heard the conversation. The firstborn son was the pastor uh, with his dad. And I called, I called the pastor. And I said, this is what I saw. He was like, man, you are sensitive. I said, no, this is not sensitivity. This did not take discernment. God just showed it to me. He goes, that conversation happened right before you came. Now I knew the source of it. Now I knew how to pray. It had made its way all the way up to the pastor, right to his side. Matriarch of the family. I wish I could say that church survived. They did not accept the direction, correction, and the church completely folded. But I saw the devastation of that spirit, and I got a class what that spirit could do. And then God started dealing with me about speaking about it and preaching about it. And it took me two years to do a series on it. It took that much spiritual warfare to do, to do a series. And I finally did it in Singapore. And that video has been watched and shared and put on different platforms on on uh, YouTube, I don't know, it's thousands and thousands of views. I get calls all over the world about that video series, Overcoming the Spirit of Jezebel. But I read to you about Athaliah. Athaliah was the daughter of Ahab. She married the king of Judah. This is not northern kingdom now. 
This is Judah. This is the bloodline of the Messiah. This is different. We expect that spirit to be somewhat around the kingdom of God as its broadened scope. It's big painted brushes of various denominations. And then it does filter. It does affect us as apostolic movement. But it's easy for us to say, well, that's because there's so much compromise in other parts. But Judah, Judah is directly us. This is exclusively us as apostolic people. I could feel that when God was showing me this. She is trained by Jezebel, and she lives in the house of Ahab. She's the next iteration. When I went to Pasadena, it had been eight years. I was a co-pastor in Beaumont for, for four years, and then I went to Dallas for several years. In between that, I was in St. Louis for a couple years, came back to Dallas, and then the door opened for me to go to Pasadena. My pastor at the time, Brother Flowers, sent me, told me to go, and I, I just went out of obedience, and then God just put it on me to go. It was so fast. I preached in January, and they were electing me in February. It was so fast. We're driving down for just the ratification. They'd already told me everybody's all in on this. You'll probably get 100%. Brother Glass was behind it 100%. I mean, if you got the bishop behind you, what what else, you know? He's been there 50 years. Who's going to go against him, you know? So, uh, this is our guy. I'm like, okay. God, are you sure? I prayed, and God confirmed it. I'm driving down. We got a baby. Caleb's two months old. Juliana's seven. My wife is still recovering from having a baby in December. Well, we're driving a van. I've been emasculated from my SUV, and I now have a van. (laughs) But it was red. At least I can make it red. So I'm driving my van. We're driving down 45 from Dallas down. It's about a four-hour drive. And... (laughs) God speaks to me, and he says, you defeated Jezebel as a prophet. He said, but now you're fighting Athaliah. And he said, you need the anointing of a king, and I'm putting the anointing of a king upon you right now. And it fell on me in the car. I mean, I was driving, you know, baby sleeping, and Juliana has the little headphones on, and Kimberly is quietly just enjoying the, 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 the peace in the car. And all of a sudden I go, ay, 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 ay. <laughs> I'm speaking in tongues. I'm like, it just went, bam. Went, she's like, she's looking at me like, you're driving right now, you know. <laughs> We're going 75. <laughs> and I'm breathing. All of a sudden I'm crying. And then she just looks at me and just turns the page and whatever she's, you know. And she was like, you can tell me when you're ready. (laughs) So I was excited about the new anointing, but then I was perplexed about the spirit that I was going to have to fight. And I was actually thankful that God said to me, you've defeated it. Thank you, Jesus. I've been warring against it, and I've had victory over it, but... 
I still feel that that's something that we're constantly keeping at bay. But he says, you can do that in the prophetic. But this spirit, this Athaliah spirit, this is going to take something else. You have to be a pastor for this. You have to have the anointing of a king for this. So I had some initial contact with it when I first came. And thankful that my wife is such an ally to me. She has been such a force with me. And uh, I remember this one of the ladies in the church that was, had a tremendous influence in the church. And I was having to deal with her in the first couple of months that I was there. I was on the phone. And my wife just walks in the room while I'm on the phone. And she goes, dancing with Athaliah. And then she just walks out. And, <laughs> and I was like, no, you cannot. <laughs> It's because I say so, because God put me here, because I have the authority. And no, you do not have permission. <laughs> and I get off the phone, and it, oh, I'm laying on the floor, and I'm in spiritual warfare. She goes, oh, that's so good, honey. I'm so proud of you for standing up to that spirit. I told you it was like dancing with Ethel. <laughs> I'm like, well, the dance is over. I still didn't understand all the details until I'm sitting in a counseling session many years later and I'm talking to one of the ladies of our church whose husband has been dealing with pornography for years. And it was given to him when he was a child. And now they've been married 30 years and it still comes and goes. And the way he treats her is so horrible. He's so adolescent the way he treats her. He's so immature. He's like a 50-year-old man. But he's so immature. And she's trying to progress with God. And he's been in the church all these years. And he's served in different places at different times. And I'm talking. And I'm like, God, what is this? Bam. God speaks to me. Right on the spot. This is Athaliah. And I said, Okay. Help me understand. He said, Jezebel manipulates grown men. It manipulates adults. Athaliah comes for the children. Athaliah did not even want them to get grown enough to have to manipulate them. Athaliah was not going to allow the king's grandsons to be able to usurp her later, I'm going to kill them when they're small. I'm going to hit them when they're kids. And the Lord said to me, this spirit does not manipulate men. It kills men. It hates men. You see, some of the stuff that we have heard a generation ago was, was still people living together in the same house, but there was that Jezebel's spirit that was there. Athaliah says, I don't even want a man in my house. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to destroy it. So how she attacks men, if she cannot physically kill you, she attacks you in your youth to try to make you regress. Men today are more immature 
than they have ever been. 35, 40-year-old guys living on a couch in the basement of their parents' house, still playing video games, eating Cheetos. I didn't see. I didn't understand. I'm sitting there. She's talking to me about this problem that's going on in their marriage. She said, but no, but it started when he was a kid. And I realized, wait a minute, this is the spirit that's been working. And then I realized how many men in my church had been molested. Had been in my office. Had been molested. Men. We're not talking about women being molested. No, these are men being molested. And part of the reason why they're having pornography problems, the reason why they're having anger problems, or the reason why they're, they're showing out or, 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 or doing this or doing that is because somewhere in there, when they were a child, something was taken from them. Something, was, something happened to them. Something, something shocked their psyche. Something destroyed them. And so now they're just hiding out, and they're, they're, just, they're just trying to, 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 to just cope with their emotions, and they don't know what to do because they're still a little boy inside of this grown man. And so we see women in the church, they're excelling. Because women are being told you can do anything. The women's rights movement is so strong, it's so powerful. Gender equality is so powerful. And, and I'm not against the fact that women are progressing and they're doing great. I think that, that if we didn't have competent, awesome women in the churches, our churches would fall apart. But let's be honest. What's the ratio of men versus women in the church right now? And how many of the decisions are made by the women now? Because men are just passive. Oh, where's the remote? Where's the remote? Okay, yeah. This is man's throne now, the couch. His scepter is the remote. Leave me alone. Just bring me some food. I'm watching the game. Am I against you watching the game? No. But I'm telling you that men have become passive. They have, been, they have lost their place because there is a spirit, a combination. You have this Jezebel spirit that has been manipulating for a generation. And now the next iteration is, is now destroying you before you ever get strong enough to know what you could do. Before you could ever be strong enough to know the power that you do have. Before you can ever grow up to know what a man is really supposed to be. Before you can ever really have authority at all and understand how God made you, that spirit is pounding away at you, making you feel like you're embarrassed to tell someone that you're a man. We have to apologize for being male. They're even doing classes now in the universities to try to, to, try to teach men to not be masculine. What is this? This is a spirit that is not just trying to manipulate you. It's trying to destroy you. What is this whole gender confusion stuff? It is an Athaliah spirit that is trying to come in and completely destroy what a man actually is because she knows as long as there's a man with the anointing, she is not safe. So something has to shift. Thank God that there was a righteous woman in the middle of all of Athaliah's wrath. She said, you killed all my family. You killed all the house of Ahab. I'm going to kill the family of God. I'm going to wipe them out. And one of those babies, 
One of those babies got hidden. One of those little boys that had the bloodline of David. One of those little babies. He was hidden in the temple. Now, I did some research on this. And, and working with the rabbis, I found out where he was hidden. I didn't even know this room existed. But according to the rabbis, there is a room above the holiest of holies. There was a storage room above the holiest of holies. And they hid that baby and his maid right above the glory of God. The place where mercy happens. The place where the high priest, who was his adopted father, who's brought him in, he says, I know a safe place. We'll let him live as close to the presence of God as he can live. Well, let him be raised with the influence of the glory of God. When I go in that once a year to do my duty, that child is going to be just close as he can possibly be. And this is what's happening right now. While the world is raging, while men are being attacked, God has some hidden men. God has some hidden sons. God has some people that he has been nurturing. Some people that he is saying, I'm not going to let anything touch you. I'm going to be all around you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect you in the glory. You're going to be hidden, not just in the, in the church, but you're going to be hidden in the presence of God. You're going to be hidden in the glory of God. You're going to know what it's like to grow up with the reality of God's voice. You're going to hear it every single day. And something in you, something in you is going to start activating. And they're going to tell him every day, you are born to be a king. You are born to rule. You are born to reign. Someday Athaliah's reign is going to be over. And you're the one that's going to take her down. You're the one that's going to destroy her. Bishop, God's been working on me for my whole life. He's been working on me my whole life to get me to the place where I can be mature enough. I can be strong enough to be able to stand up with the authority that God has given me and say, enough is enough. Athaliah is coming down. It's time to unveil what God has been working on. It's time for the stage to open up the curtains to let these men of God that have been cultivated in the presence of God. It's now time for the king to come out of the shadows and that we remain hidden no more. It's time for the king to wake up in the men. It's time for the leader to wake up in the men. It's time for the authority that God gave you to start being manifested. It's time for the anointing of God to come back into the role of the man. Touch about three people and say, I'm not going to hide anymore. about to go to a break, but I'm going to pray with you right now while you're standing. Everybody stand to your feet right now. Hallelujah. This was God's answer. I'll take an eight-year-old. If you try to get them when they're young, fine. If you're going to fight them when they're kids, fine. I'll give them anointing when they're kids. 
It's time for our young men to be raised up. That's number one part of this. It's time for our young men to be raised up. But what God was also saying is, I'll reverse it. And I'll cause a mature anointing to be upon a young man. Because you're trying to make the man regress, I'll give him anointing to progress. And so when we break Athaliah, all of these things that have been held back, all of these parts of you that have regressed. Oh, but I used to pray, but I can't pray anymore. I used to be used, but I can't be used anymore. I used to be able to speak. I used to be able to remember. I can't remember. All these things you, you used to do. I realized that this is how Satan was working. As he was trying to take my progress away. He was trying to constantly make me digress. Uh, trying to make me go backwards rather than going forwards. Uh, that's the spirit of Athaliah in this age. Because she does not want us to come to that place uh, where the people embrace uh, that anointing. But now he's anointed to be a king now. And he says, get out the weapons. So right now we're getting out David's weapons. Hallelujah. The elders have left some weapons behind. David left his warrior weapons behind. And they had just been hanging on the walls all those years with this Athaliah spirit and this Jezebel spirit. But that old priest said, I know where they are. I'm going into the house. Pull down that curtain. They're all hanging on this wall. Come on, you get a sword and you get a sword. And come on, there you go. You get a spear. You get a spear. Let's go. We're going to go do some battle. And I believe it's time for us to get ourselves armed right now in the spirit and unveil a brand new Holy Ghost anointing that can come upon our men to be spiritual warriors in this generation. Let's pray together right now by the authority of the Word of God and by the power that's in the name of Jesus. I release, oh God, in this house the anointing of the King. I release, oh God, the anointing of the King. I pray that we would not hide anymore. We would not run anymore. We would not digress anymore. We would not be destroyed, oh God, on the inside. We would not be emasculated, oh God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would activate, oh God, what our role is in the kingdom, what our role is in the workplace, what our role is at home, what our role is in prayer, what our role is on the streets, how we can make a difference in this world. The devil knows if these men in Missouri will all leave here with the Holy Ghost anointing, armed with the swords and shields. Oh God, they will wreak havoc in the kingdom of darkness. But we are breaking the spirit of Athaliah, and I command you to let these people go. Let these Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.